Well, good morning. I want to say thank you so much to the church here for your wonderful hospitality over the course of the last few days. Don't ever lose that. That's my encouragement to you. Don't lose that. Uh, there will be others that will come here and visit and just treat them the same way as you've treated us, and you'll do just fine. Uh, definitely more than we deserve, but thank you so much. I want to thank Brother and Sister Painter for their hospitality, a place to stay for us this weekend, and just I can't thank them enough, and I'm thankful for their friendship. Uh, this morning, <clears throat> if I can, for just a little while, we'll try to bring a message to you, and uh, I want to kind of, for those that were able to attend with us last night, we talked a lot about the Word of the Father. And, uh, and how important it is for us to take heed to the word of the Father, for us to not forget his commandments. The Apostle Paul would say something similar when he would speak to the Corinthian church, when he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. And he says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which you are also saved, if you keep it in memory. What I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I don't have to spend a lot of time this morning to explain that just by hearing the gospel does not obviously promise us an, uh, an eternal home. We don't preach that. Uh, we're going to get to what we believe here in just a few minutes. But I do want you to understand that the gospel is important, not only for us to receive it and to hear it, but for us to keep it in our memory, uh, for us to not lose that very thought. Uh, the brother prayed this morning, uh, right before we uh, started the uh, preaching portion of the service, that we would not only hear the gospel, but we would also then do it. And I think that is a little bit of what I want to talk about this morning in the blessings that we give, that we have, that were given to us by our Father uh, in heaven. Um, as we begin to think about the subject of blessings, uh, most of us don't really, you know, uh, for, I guess for me and maybe sometimes uh, the way I feel like I've interacted with churches over the last several years, uh, we get this idea that once we've heard the message of grace, that it, it is, and it's a wonderful message. I, I love that message, and I think it's a powerful message to know that well, there was nothing that I could do to earn my eternal salvation. There's nothing I could do to pay back my Lord for what He had done. There's no acceptance or belief or baptism or confession or prayer that I could possibly utter that could repay my Father for what He did by sending His Son and dying for us on the cross. There was no sacrifice that we could make. There was nothing that we need to add to or take away from what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary for us. But that's just the beginning of the message. I love reading the Gospels, and me and Brother Dolph had an opportunity to talk this weekend a lot of times. As you, as you begin to read the Apostle Paul's letters, especially, say, Colossians, Ephesians, certainly Romans, you will find where Paul is doing a great job teaching a lot of the core doctrines of what Jesus Christ has done for his people and for his elect family. And then, as soon as he gets done telling us all what Jesus Christ has done and that he did it all by himself, he then gives, usually gives us a therefore where he makes a transition in his word and uh, tells us, now, now that you've heard this message, there's something you and I are to, to do about it. It's not just to hear it and receive it and then just say, well, uh, I guess that's it. There's nothing that you know. No, we've got a lot we can be doing as, as children of God. We are called to be salt and light. 
We are called to be ambassadors of Him. We are, when we take upon that name Christian, I think about the commandments that when it says that we are not to take the, Lord, the, name, the name of the Lord in vain. When you go out in your communities and you say to others that you are a Christian, that you are following Christ, I hope that their observation of your lifestyle would, would be something that would say, yes, I can tell that they follow Christ. I can tell that they are a Christian because of the way they live, or the way they talk, the way they act, the way they raise their children, the way they love, and the way they want to do for others. But let me uh, help you out with this. Uh, you say, well, Brother Derek, that's great, but how am I supposed to do all of that? Well, the Lord has given us a lot of tools. He's given us a lot of blessings, things that we are to use, things that we are to utilize. Um, back home, I have a... Uh, uh, and this was probably more so when I was living in the Birmingham area. I happened to live next to my neighbor, and uh, my neighbor, when, when when we stand next to each other, I'm this little person, and he's this big six four, six five, very stocky, played uh, uh, played D, uh, Division One uh, baseball, and he probably outweighs me by probably 150 pounds. And and you look at him, he's, you're you're thinking that he's a manly man because he just looks like that, right? But uh, his wife ends up calling me over and says, Derek, could you come over and hang some curtains? <laughs> curtains, right? And why did she ask me to hang the curtains? She, well, I had all the tools. She's like, do you have a drill? I was like, yes, do I have a drill. She goes, do you have a level? Yeah, yes, I have a level. Do you have a measuring tape? Yes, I got a measuring tape. Does, does Robbie not have all these things? And he, she's like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't have any tools of like this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Uh, so there's something about having a lot of tools in the shed. I can remember as a child going to my granddaddy's barn. My, my granddaddy was a wood, wood make, uh, woodworker, and he would make lamps out of old, uh, uh, if you think about uh, electricity, you have a meter on your house, and the old meters, now they may be digital, but the old meters, they used to turn like this, and he would take these old meters that he would find that the power company would throw out, and he'd turn them into lamps, and when you turn the lamp on, you'd see that little, little dial turn, and he did a lot of neat things, and he always had the right tool. If I ever needed a tool, I could go to my granddad and say, Granddaddy, you got this? Hey, Granddaddy, you got that? Yeah, I got this. I can do this. Well, there's something about having the right tools for the right job. And I want you to all know, you say, well, Brother Derek, uh, when it comes to serving God, I, I just don't know if I can do certain things. Yes, you can. And the reason I know you can is because you've been given the tools. You've been given so many tools. This, the, the, the Word of God is filled with tools. The Word of God in itself that we talked about last night is a great tool for you. If you keep it in memory, if you don't forget these things, and we're gonna, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind about forgetting because it's going to come back into play after a while uh, because there's something to not forgetting, not forgetting that you have these tools, that you have a resource. Um, you have a place to turn to, a place to go look for help. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that we are able as God's people to go boldly to the throne of grace to what? To find help in a time of need. And so the word, you know, when we go to pray, we are able to commune with God and to communicate with God. But we also have left his word for us to go dive into and dig and find the answers to many of the problems that we have. So the word of God is a great, useful tool. And we talked about that last night. But I'm so thankful that he didn't just give us only his word. He gave us much more than that. Did you know that all of us today, if you believe solely in, in that, if you believe in Jesus Christ, I want you to first know this, that if you love Jesus Christ, it's because he first loved you. 
Your love and your belief all are after the work of Jesus Christ in your life, okay? We understand that through regeneration, and you say, Brother Derek, well, when does regeneration happen? I don't know. I don't, I don't know when it happened for me. I just remember there was a time early in my life where I began to love the Lord and what He had done for me. And you say, when was that? I, I don't know. But it's okay. But I began to really recognize that the Lord, through that new birth, gave us tools. And we find those tools over in Galatians, and we'll get there in just a minute. But I want you to know something. The Lord tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, and Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He has blessed all of us. He's blessed us. And he, say, <laughs> and he says, with spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I'm going to pause here and tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that he has blessed you with everything you ever thought you'd want in this world, in earthly places, in Christ. Does that make sense? He didn't say that he was going to bless you with what you wanted. In other words, there is a group of people that are out maybe teaching today in and around this country, and maybe it's internationally now, but I will tell you, they have belittled everything to where if you just, if you just have faith, they have belittled faith to a commodity at Walmart that you can just go pick up like you get rice or roni, and you can just pick it off the shelf and take it home with you. No, it's not, that is not, we're not going to belittle faith here. Faith is a spiritual gift that has been given to you by God through the new birth. And it is something that we are able to use because we have been blessed by God to use that. And I'm going to cover a few more of those this morning. But I want you to know that, uh, that he, did not always, he did not bless us with all the things that we would ever want in this world. You may not always have the, the, the most money. You may not always have the nicest clothes. You may not always have the nicest car. You may not always have the biggest television. You may not have whatever the world deems to be popular these days that, to, to help you in your status in your local community. He didn't say you were going to have that. He didn't say you were going to be rich materially. Materially. He said you were going to be rich spiritually. Is it a shock to us that a lot of people today that are very wealthy in this country are sometimes some of the most miserable people? Some of the ones that are most popular on television, they have money, hundreds of thousands of deals. I mean, dare I say it this way, I know people that get to play a sport for a living and they're unhappy. I, would, I, I don't understand that sometimes, um, let alone the sport of golf. You know, golf, you know, it's not really a, you know, a competitive sport. But I see golfers that are like, you're out, just whack a ball you know is it really is is life that hard really you know and uh but they're unhappy you know they didn't get this sports deal they didn't get this or they didn't get that he didn't say he was going to always bless us materially but he did say he was going to bless us spiritually he says he was blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in christ over in Peter, Second Peter, and I'm going to jump to a verse, but I'm going to jump around a little bit this morning. But he grabs and he says, uh, Peter records for us one other thing. He says, uh, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. This is verse 1, 2 Peter, chapter 1. 
To them that have obtained like and precious faith with us through uh, the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and, and of Jesus Christ. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and a virtue. So one of the reasons I expressed to you at the first of this that we did not need to forget the commandments or the word of God because it's salvation to us while we live each and every day while we walk on this earth. It's salvation to us if we keep it in memory. Why? Because he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So by the more we learn about God, the more we learn about Christ, and the more we learn about what he's done for us, we recognize that he has given us all these things that pertain unto life and godliness. I remember a story a couple of years ago. I was down at a church, and um, I'm not going to mention uh, the location, but um, I was talking to a, a sister there, and I had just gotten done talking about... Um, the call of the Christian, despite maybe what is changing around us culturally and maybe the influx of, uh, of, of lifestyles that we don't particularly uh, agree with according to God's word because God word, God's word speaks against those types of things. And uh, we are Christians and we're to adhere to God's word, not what the world tells us to adhere to, but we have to adhere to God's word because that's our responsibility. And I began to say that, you know, it is still the calling of God's people because we've been blessed by God. We've been given faith by God we've been given the tools by God to be able to to act differently and to behave differently and we've been given the ability to love differently we are still to love those people and to encourage those people and try to get them to follow God's word and not the way the way the world would have them to act and, and be and so when I express this opinion to this dear sister she comes up to me and she goes I hear you but I, I, I just can't do I just can't do that. I, I, I just can't. And I said, well, well sister, I, I, I'm going to pray for you. Because you can. She goes, she goes no, 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 I can't. I said, yes, you can because God has given you the ability to. Don't belittle what God has given you, the child of God, to the ability to do in his name by the very tools and gifts that he has imparted to you to do. And why has he done this? Well, we think about it. What is the greatest blessing that you and I have? The greatest blessing that you and I have is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We inherited something that we didn't even deserve. We didn't earn it. We were loved when we were not lovable. We were enemies with God. It is something that I still, to this day, it's, hard, it's almost hard for me to convey to God's people because I almost can't wrap my mind around how somebody could love me, me, let alone and I know my nature pretty intensely, but how could he love me? How could he love you? And when you begin to see yourself for who you really are, apart from God, and then you see yourself because of what God has done for you, and you recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, you are blessed, friends. You are blessed. I'm not, the Bible never said that you weren't going to have trial or trouble or that things weren't going to happen through life that may cause us problems and hiccups. But I'm telling you, with all the fire that is in me, God has given you the ability to press on. God's Word, something that was reminded so much is that, and I'm just going to have to read it, because if I don't read it, I'll mess it up. 
In 2 Corinthians 13, I think it's, uh, uh, nope, it is definitely 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. I'm going to hit on this in a minute, so y'all bear with me. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. You say, brother, I, I just, I can't. I want you to know something. The reason you and I have faith, faith is the fruit of the Spirit. Turn over to Galatians chapter, 20, uh, chapter 5, verse 22, and you'll read over there, the fruits of the Spirit are these. But the, uh, is, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Right there, I've given you five tools in your tool belt that you have the ability to use. You say, I don't know how to control myself. Yes, you do. The Lord gave you temperance. You're just not using it. God has given you that tool, you're just not using it. You ever see somebody that needs to, that, you know, sometimes when you have a, a screw to screw something in, sometimes it has that big, long gap, but it also has that little bitty cross in the middle, so you're supposed to use, you can use a Phillips head, but then you got people that you want to use the flat head instead of the Phillips head, and you're like, why don't you use the right tool? You know, you need to use the right tool, the right tool for this, right? And we need to also remember that there are the right tools that we can use to have the self-control. God's given you that ability. So in this, God is faithful. And so because God is faithful, did you know that's why we have faith? It's because God had faith. Have you ever thought about it that way? God gave you the very gifts that His Son, Jesus Christ, while He was walking on this earth for the 33 and a half years that He was here, He used the very same gifts, and then He said, these gifts, these are the ones that I want to give to my children. And one of those is faith. Uh, we read over there uh, that in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, we read over there that God had faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then also we read over in Hebrews chapter 10, another verse that says this in verse 23. I'm going to grab a couple of verses, though. It says in starting in verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Why? Without wavering. For he is faithful who promised. You say, I get down in my faith. My faith is weak. I'm telling you, our faith is strengthened by our faith in him for his faithfulness, because of his faithfulness for us, toward, towards us. He is faithful that promised. You know, one of the things that we get caught up in, and uh, I think I'm guilty about it just as much as anybody else, but when trouble or trial seem to hit, we seem to then forget that we have a, a, a Lord that has imparted these gifts to us, and then we start leaning on ourselves more than we do on our Lord. We start trying to, and we struggle with this, we struggle with the same sin that started in the Garden of Eden. 
What happened in the Garden of Eden? Well, we know the story about the fall of man and what happened, but do you, have you ever thought about the questions or the concern there that actually took place? Is that Satan tempted them and says, oh, but if, you know, the reason God doesn't want you to eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because if you, if you eat, then you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Have you ever thought about that? How most of one of the hardest or one of the biggest sins that you and I struggle with on a day in and day out basis is the very fact that we like to be a God of self. And we, some six, seven, you know, 6,000 years later, plus years later, are still struggling with that very sin that, was, that occurred in the Garden of Eden is that we wanted to be a God of self. You ever heard, you ever caught yourself saying this? Oh, I got this. I, I got it under control. We say that. I've said it. Y'all said it, I'm sure. And we get to the point where we, 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 we start telling ourselves, I can handle this. I can bear this. Oh, good. Brothers and sisters, God has blessed you with faith. He has blessed, blessed you with love. He has blessed you with joy. He has blessed you with meekness. He has blessed you with all the tools that you need to be able to bear it. But one of the things that uh, he's asking us to do is not to bear it alone. We're to bear it with him. Okay? And on top of that, he's also called us, according to Galatians chapter 6, to bear one another's burdens. If you see a brother or sister struggling, if you are, if you are stronger in faith, if you're stronger in your walk with God, go over and help them out. Pick, pick them up. Carry it through with them. Bear it with them. Why? Because we're using the tools the Lord gave us. He says, I have blessed you with all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's saying, now take those blessings and go use them. Use them to the edifying of the body of Christ. Not just your own personal body, but for one another. So why are we able to have, why do we have faith? Why are we blessed? It's because that's what the Lord gave, that's what the Lord gave us. And he is faithful to that promise. We don't walk around singing the song 205 in our hymn books. We don't walk around singing, great is my faithfulness. Have y'all ever heard about some of the things that are being preached out there today? They're bragging about it. Well, I, look at my faith. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to look at your faith. I want to see, I want to see Christ in your faith. I want, I want to see, when I look at your faith that you have, I better see Christ. I better not see you, the individual. Okay, I want to see Christ. We don't sing great is my faithfulness. We say great is what? Thy faithfulness. We are talking about our Lord's faithfulness towards us. And he is faithful, that promise. Um, one of the things that we struggle with so bad is in, a, in the world around us today, we struggle with joy. We do. Uh, how do I want to say this this morning? Um, we struggle with it. In America today, and I'm just going to tell you something, and I don't mean this to be hurtful. I don't say this to be mean. Uh, but I can tell you in, a, in, in my travels over to uh, Kisi, Kenya, I saw a people that did not have running water. They didn't have grocery stores with endless stocks of food. They didn't have, you know, all the modern conveniences, air conditioning of, that we have today. Kitchens that almost seem like they ought to be in professional restaurants and all these things. 
uh, we are blessed beyond measure with material things here. But I look around and I see the joy of God's people in America versus the joy I witnessed in Kisi, Kenya. And it, and it burdens me. I was so thankful, and, I, and I'm not, I don't want to brag on Brother Dolph in, in, in the sense of, of, of puffing him up, but I, I do want to say and continue to encourage him because I watched everybody come in this morning, and the attitude in which you came in was so joyful. Uh, everybody was, so, was, was talking and, 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 and conversing with each other, and, and I saw laughter, I saw the kids, the joy, and, and, and everybody just seemed happy, and I, you don't find that everywhere, and take my word for it, you just don't. But you know, one of the things that God has given us is one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So then ask yourself this question, why do I not have joy? Well, we read over in Hebrews chapter 12 this. Let's see. Let's find out one of the reasons we have joy is because our Lord had joy. And he thought, hey, one of the gifts that I will give, one of the fruits of the Spirit that I will give to my children through the new birth that they are able to produce if they will continue to grow in the knowledge and in grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus. If they will grow in, that, uh, grow in that, he says, this is something I want to give to them. And he says over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, these witnesses were all the great men of faith that were uh, listed over in Hebrews chapter 11. He says, Let us now lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we've already talked about faith. Jesus, who was the author and finisher of our faith, so now he says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So he looked at the cross and didn't see a burden. He didn't look at the cross and see trial and trouble. He looked at the cross and saw you and me. And you know what he saw? He saw joy on the other side of it. And what was the joy? It was the fact that once it was all fulfilled, he says, I'm then going to have my bride. My bride is one of these days. It's going to be, they're going to be home with me. And that bride is the, is the family of God, the ones that, it's the church of God, it's the elect family of God. It was joy to him. We look at sometimes going to churches, well, I got to go to church today. But, the, but the, our Lord looked at the cross, even though he despised the shame of it, despising the shame is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had such joy, he was, he was looking on the other side of the cross. And see, one of the reasons that we struggle today living our life and being able to walk and live and be able to survive our journey here is because we're looking for that joy right now and we're not looking for the joy that's going to come one day when we're home. We, we have forgotten that this is not our home. Does that make sense? We, we have to continue to keep in memory that we're just sojourners in this land. We are, we are representatives or ambassadors of a foreign country or a foreign land. We're just here for a short time. And then once this time is over, we're going to be in heaven one of these days. Jesus tells us over in, G, uh, in John chapter 14, he says, um, In my Father's house are many mansions. He says, If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare what? A place for you, me, and that makes me happy. 
That makes me happy. I'm not going to have to turn on the news. And, uh, or we were talking about last night, we were watching the YouTube video and couldn't, couldn't watch a little YouTube video without an advertisement about something that just makes you just depressed. Okay? Couldn't even do the simplest thing without getting, getting distracted by the, what the world is constantly trying to fill your mind with. But I tell you, we are just sojourners here. We're looking, we're, we're looking to beyond this home. We're looking beyond this land. We're supposed to be looking to our home in heaven above where we are going to be heirs and join heirs with Christ. Over in John 17, he's praying for his disciples right before he's set to go to the cross. And he says in verse 13 of John 17, And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they, my disciples, might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know that prayer is just as valid to you and I today? That He wants His joy fulfilled in us while we live here. That's why we have the message is so that we would walk around not as letting, allowing the world to beat us down. He's, Jesus would say, hey, child of God, it's okay. Disciples, it's okay. If the world hates you, it hated me too. Okay? That just means you and I are in good company. And who better company to be in than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, sometimes we're, see, that's where I say we sometimes get ashamed because we're so tempted by the world to want to be accepted by this. But we have to become comfortable saying we are separate, we are separate from the world. We're to sanctify ourselves away from this world. To sanctify means to set apart. The Bible would tell us over in John 15. Let's grab one other verse if I can grab it real quick. Uh, no, excuse me, John 17, right below where I'm reading. Verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How are we to set ourselves apart? Through the word. So is there now, do you see the reason why we don't need to forget the word? Because that's what we're using to separate ourselves. We're using the toolbox that God has given us in his word, but also in the new birth to sanctify ourselves through the truth of God. I have given them thy word, verse 14, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. But aren't you thankful that we got the word? I tell you why, I am, sa- I am so thankful that I have it. I'm thankful, you know, we, we, we've had this, uh, uh, the, the, the singing school this weekend where we've been able to learn, hopefully, how to maybe sing praises better. But I hope what you got out of it is a desire to want to read more songs and want to read the more words of those songs and actually understand how we, through just even the words of the song we can be filled with joy because I pray that we're singing scriptural songs. We sang this, a song this morning that I'm not saying in a long time. Number 48. To him who did salvation bring. We're not singing about us today. We're singing about him. And we keep that in our mind. And we're able to, so we're, we've been given the word that, our, that the Lord's joy may be fulfilled in all of us. And I don't know about you. But after I get some joy. You know something? I think I'm going to begin to have a little bit more peace. Anybody want Peace. Anybody tired of the fightings and the wars and the cultural wars? The yang, I call it the yang yang. That's an Alabama thing. The yang yang, you see? 
on television? Y'all don't know, that's not, that's not up here in Virginia. It's a yan-yan, I guess, okay. And it's just an Alabama thing. We get uh, the yan-yan is what, what I refer to when I say that is just all the little bickering over just the littlest of things. I mean, television, you know, and all, most of us all have a television. I'm sure we all watch it and we're all probably, you know, that's part of what we do these days. I, I encourage you, try to take some time off of it. Turn the news off. Get off social media for a season. And I mean that. I've done that a time or two, and it's been great. Um, you, you, you don't realize just how much your mind is captivated. And I use that word in, for a purpose. You, you know, when we think about almost being captive to something, Paul, when he wrote to the Galatian, uh, to the Galatian people, he was upset that they were so soon removed to another gospel. But that gospel that they were uh, that they were uh, um, that it, or the message that had corrupted that church at that time was that they tried to bring uncircumcision back as a requirement to be labeled as a eternal child of God. Let's say it that way. And Paul had to write to them to get rid of that that doctrine. He says. He says, he, and one of the, message, the main message that he was trying to convey in writing to them is that you are free. And that he says, Don't, do not be entangled again under the yoke of bondage. And I'll ask you, what, is, what, is, what have we allowed the world to do to us to put us back in bondage that we are not free in Christ Jesus? That's an individual question I want you to ask yourself and answer for yourself. And if you're having trouble, come and talk to Brother Dolph about it. But I will tell you, we are to be free in Christ Jesus, not using our freedom as a cloak of maliciousness. So let me go back and read that so I'll get some context here. So turn to Galatians. If you uh, hold your finger, just Galatians chapter 5. It says in verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be, ye not, be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Verse 13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Not only use not your liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we have this liberty. You and I, what I'm talking about is blessings. It's another blessing that God has given us. He has given us liberty and freedom. We tried to sing the song this weekend, Liberty, that was written by Elder Bryce Lowrance. It's one of my favorite hymns. And we need to make sure that we're standing fast in that liberty because it's another blessing of God that we don't have to be entangled in again amongst bondage. And so if we, and we have the opportunity to have peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 would tell us that he is the prince of peace. That word prince can also mean captain. He is the captain of our peace. He is the one that leads our peace. John 14 says this in verse 27, just after he, as he again, one of the last messages that he's telling his disciples before he departs to go to the cross, he says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Catch that. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
I want the peace my Lord gives to me. That is a blessing that I am in constant search of. I don't want the peace the world gives me. I don't want the, I, you know, anytime I hear a politician get up and say, oh, it's going to be peace and, you know, it's going to be this or it's going to be that, that's when I begin to get a little nervous, okay? Because I don't want the peace the world gives to me. I work, I work a job, many of us, many of us do. Uh, even my boss, my boss goes, says, oh, it's going to be all right. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. It makes me nervous, I didn't tell you. Because I don't want that kind of peace. I want the peace of the comfort of my Lord. Why? Here's what the Lord's peace has taught me. It's told me that you know, sometimes in life, trouble and trial are going to come. People have lost their jobs. And people have, uh, uh, for many reasons, maybe uh, a factory shut down. Maybe, um, maybe they were downsizing. Maybe something didn't go your way. And, so, you know, uh, as they... Uh, as it, as me and Brother Dolph were talking about, maybe it was one of the manager's sons that got the position over you and they cut you. Instead, you know, that was a reference to Barabbas and Jesus, by the way. Um, but uh, anyway, anyways, and you never know what the circumstance may be. But you know one thing that I continually tell myself every day is this. If I work not to please my manager, but I work every day trying to please my Lord, no matter what, the Lord's going to take care of me. Even if I lose my job, the Lord's going to take care of me. He's going to open another door somewhere else because this world's not my home. I'm looking to please Him and not the world, okay? I, I, and, I, and I encourage you, I see young families here with children and young marriages like my own. Please God in your marriage and you'll have peace in it. One of the great pieces of advice I ever got from my father was this. He says, you know, he says, a lot of people say, you know, marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. It's 100-100. And if you spend your lifetime trying to please the other person, he says, the only fight you'll ever have is about why either each other can't please the other one. That'll be the worst fight you ever have. And I have really taken hold of that. And I said, you know what? You can find peace in your marriage in that. You know what, how you'll find peace in a church? If you're more concerned about serving each other instead of getting your own way. You'll work well as a church if you're not just looking here to please yourself, but maybe to have an impact in that community and share the gospel out. Because why? Because it means something to you. Because it's changed your life, as the brother prayed about this morning. That, not, that it would change our lives. That it would want us to do better tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Why? Because again, the Lord has blessed us with these tools to have. The entire book of Philippians is about Paul conveying to the church, a very mature church at Philippi, that if they would just humble themselves, if they will keep themselves humble, they can be as Paul, does, Paul is, where he says, I, if you want to be popular, I had the resume, Paul says. He says, but I counted it all as dung. He says, if you'll take the humility that Christ has given you and the example of Christ's, Christ's humility, and he says, if you take that and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ, he says, why? So that I may be found in him, that I may know him, and that I, I might know the fellowship of his sufferings. There's always something to do. So we take the tools and the blessings of God and we say, it's never, my work is never finished. I've got work to do. He's blessed us with all the things that we need to perform these things.
And the last thing I want to end with is patience and long-suffering on the, on the amount of blessings. I haven't even touched the surface of all the ways we're blessed. I don't have time this morning, and that's okay. I love a message that never ends. Okay? You know why? Because that means I'm going to go back for more. It, you know what? That's why Americans love buffets. Because you could just sit there all day and just keep eating. You know? Because then every sudden seemed to end. They just keep bringing more food. You know? That's why they like them. That's a, anyways, that's probably a bad example, but at least, I, you know, you're paying attention. You ever thought about the gift of temperance and patience and long-suffering? Our idea of patience in America today is like this. And I'm serious. We get impatient at the drive-thru. We're sitting there, we'll tap our feet. You order your food, you can't wait. You wait. And so, I mean, that's why Americans came up with fast food, because we couldn't get our bellies full quick enough. We need fast food. You say, maybe Brother Dolph has given you some advice, and his advice is, just be patient, it's going to come. person calls back the next day, I don't have my answer yet. You've been patient 24 hours. What's, it's 24 hours. You know, all those men of faith, that we read about over in Hebrews chapter 11, you know they never saw the promise? Abraham, the promise was unto him and his son Isaac. You know what? But Abraham never saw the promise. David never saw the promise. We think of patient as I waited a week. These men waited years and years and years. Matthew chapter 23. Jesus says this. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens, under her wings... And ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Oh, the Lord was patient with the nation of Israel. He was patient and patient, long-suffering, long-suffering. And yes, just as a father is patient with their children, you know, you, you, they, they walk astray, you gotta, you got to correct them, this one, get them back in line, they go astray again, get them back in line, they go astray, you get them back in line. How many, I mean, how many references could we turn through about the whole nation of Israel where they, ran, they went astray? Lord, get them back in line. Years and years, hundreds of years. But as the verse we read last night, in Colossians, Paul's desire for us. If you and here and here and here's the here's the statement I meant to say. 
If the Lord can be long-suffering and patient, and those are things that he has given to you and to me to use as a tool in our arsenal, yes, you can be patient. Yes, you can be long-suffering. Be a parent. I've just had it up to here with these children. I've said it before. I just can't do it anymore. I'm done for the day. I'm like, go. I looked at Sammy about a week ago and I said, is it time for them to be in bed yet? I just, just done right there. And I have to remind myself constantly that I have been blessed with a tool. It's called patience that I'm able to use and pull out of my arsenal that says I can be patient. I can be long-suffering. And you know what? I'm just getting started. Brother Lincoln and I and Brother Graham, we got young, young little children all about the same age. And we're like, you know what? We're not raising the three and four and five-year-olds they are right now. We're raising the 20 and 25 and 30-year-olds they're going to be one day. And you know what? We're going to blink and it's going to be there. That's what I'm scared of. We're going to blink and it's going to happen. It's going to be there. But you know what? We're going to be long-suffering and we're going to be patient and we're going to be loving through all this. Why? Because the Lord has given us the tools to do so. Because He's blessed us to be able to do so. And so the verse that we used last night, I'm going to grab this one and one more we'll close out real quick. It says, uh, verse 10 of um, Colossians chapter uh, 1, it says that ye may be able to walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering and see, once we have gathered the idea that we get used to being patient and, long suffer- and being long-suffering, it says with joyfulness? Oh, what a thought. That we should somehow be patient and be comfortable in our patience, comfortable in our long-suffering, and just be, you know what? There's a joy that comes along with that. Why? Because you know what? We're not trying to be in control of everything. We're just trying to please God and allow Him to take the lead. If I'm doing, if I'm being patient as the Lord asked me, has asked me to do, if I'm strengthened in all the knowledge, it says strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Then I'll have the opportunity to give thanks, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We will be able to do this and, and find joy in it. Most of us are not very, when we're being patient and joyful, well, sorry, when we're being patient and long-suffering with something, usually we're not very joyful. I hadn't met somebody yet that's very, uh, that's very joyful when they're being patient. They're usually sitting there tapping their feet, complaining, whining, groaning, moaning, and it's just downright depressing. Y'all know, the, uh, y'all, y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all have seen those people. The Lord says you can be joyful about it. I'm in search to be joyful in my patience with my children and with many. Uh, I'm with my patience with work. All of us come into those common trials. So, if you ever wonder, is the work finished? A very common section of scripture is ending right here. Second Peter chapter one. We started out by reading this. It says, According to, as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. So He's given unto us these things. Peter conveys this to, to those he is writing to here. And he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the end goal for us. 
We want to escape the world. We want to sanctify ourselves away from this world. Escaping the corruption that is in the world through what? Lust. What is lust? Well, there's probably many definitions I could give. But I'm going to say the pride of life. You can be lustful about your pride. Lust, the me, myself, and I kind of mentality. It's all about me. Lust. I want what's mine. I'm going to go get what's mine. The me mentality. We're to escape all of that. And how are we going to escape it? We're going to be partakers of the divine nature by understanding these great and precious promises that were given to us. How are we going to do that? By the knowledge of Him. Because if we understand the knowledge of what the Lord has given us, He's given unto us what? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given it to you. So what we can we do? And besides this, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue and a virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance. Temperance, patience. Patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, are they in you? I believe they are. They're in God's children. If these things are in you, the blessings of God, the ability to do these things, they are are in all of us because God has imparted them to us. And he's asked us to use them according to his word. And that's what Paul's letter to the church is. It's after he, he preaches unto them the salvation by grace. He says, take these tools and take this knowledge of what Jesus has done for you. He says, use them and be my children is raising my own children. I'm going to, imp- going to impart to them knowledge and tools. And Brother Graham was sharing some things with me last night about some things he's already beginning to teach some of his children at a very young age. And I'm like, when they're older, I pray they never forget those things. Because if, if you instill them into a child, just the same way our father wants these things instilled into his children while we live here and walk, he says, if they abound... They make you that ye shall be neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Catch it. We're going to do a full circle. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And dare I say, according to the word of God, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The reason these things don't abound in us, maybe we've forgotten what we've been called to. Maybe we've, forget, maybe we've forgotten what God has really done for us. That's the concern. And if you've not forgotten, let's get busy working together. Brother asked me this weekend, he says, he says Old Baptists don't seem to evangelize as much as, as, as maybe the Bible talks about. And I said, I said, brother, I'm praying. I hope we can change that. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. Go share it with somebody how richly blessed not only you are, but everyone that you find that loveth God. You just tell them, hey, the reason you love them is because God loved you first. And watch the Lord just work in them. And God bless you.